this is Kara Foster from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky, and you're listening to our sermons podcast. And if you want to find out more information, you can connect with us at www.madisonvilledisciples.org or come in person at 1030 College Drive, uh, Madisonville, Kentucky. Subscribe and enjoy these podcasts. So our scripture passage today is a long one, and I hope you can hang with me for 40 verses, but I really wanted you to hear the whole story from the Gospel of John today in chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. And um, it's a story about a man who was blind since birth. And I invite you to read along with me in your pew Bibles or your apps or your own Bible here as we read this story together. The Gospel of John, chapter 9. As he walked along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind, so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must... Work the works of him who sent me while it is day, and night is coming when no one else can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with saliva and spread on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. And then he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, this is not the man who used to sit and make. Some were saying, it is he. Others were saying, no, but it's someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, then how are your eyes open? He answered, the man called Jesus, made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. And then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. And now it was Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. And then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put mud on my eyes, and then I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. Others said, how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him? Was your eyes he opened? He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son? You who say he was born blind, how then does he now see? And his parents answered, We know this is our son, and he was born blind. But we do not know how it is he now sees, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who'd been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. 
He answered, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And then they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Here's an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to one who worships him and obeys his will. And never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born entirely in sin, and you are trying to teach us? They drove him out. Jesus heard that they had driven him out, and when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, and who is he, sir? Tell me so I may believe in him. And Jesus said to him, You have seen him. The one who is speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe and worshipped him. And Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, Surely we are not the blind ones, are we? He was born blind. One day, Jesus and his disciples walked past a blind beggar whose name we don't remember, and it sparks a theological conversation. Well, who sent? This man or his parents? Somebody must have done something to deserve this. It's not such a strange question, actually. Who hasn't asked a question like that at times? Why? Why me? Why now? What have I done? Is this some sort of punishment? I've been helping to facilitate a grief group on Wednesday night and just sort of popped up. People started saying some of the things that they did not find meaningful when people said to them. Things like, God must have needed him. God doesn't give you more than you can handle. He's in a better place. Personally, I'd like to strike the phrase lost his battle from cancer from our vernacular i just i don't like the idea of saying someone lost their battle to any illness or sickness that they have first of all i just feel like it does such a disservice to the courage and tenacity that so many who face challenging health uh, issues go through and also frankly as people of faith death is not a battle to be lost that is what we believe when we claim Jesus as Savior who conquered the powers of sin and death in our world. Death is not a battle to be lost. But I want you to take note here how Jesus answers this question of who is to blame for this man's blindness. Nobody. Not his parents. Not him. Neither of them did anything to deserve this. But... In spite of his blindness, God will shine through this man's life. Jesus said, God's works will be revealed in him. It reminds me of a friend that once said to me, God never wastes our pain. God's works will be revealed in him. 
And Jesus put mud in his eyes and tells him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And the blind man does what he's asked to do, and he comes back and he can see for the first time in his life, for the first time in his whole life, he can see. And he comes back into town, and do people celebrate? No, they aren't even sure if it's him, which I find so telling. Here's this man. They've probably seen him begging on the streets his whole life. And they're not even sure it's him. It's like he's been right in front of them, but they didn't really actually see him. They're questioning, is it you? Is it you? He says, it's me. Keep saying, I am the man, over and over. They question him. Well, what happened? How can you see? Well, he put mud in my eyes. He told me to go wash off. And on the Sabbath, no less, a holy man of any worth and respect would know better than to heal you on the Sabbath. Holy men should know better. Not satisfied, they take him to the religious authorities. You know, the types, the experts, the one with the robes, the one with the degrees on the walls and their certificates in their offices. And do the religious leaders celebrate this man's new sight? No. The round of questions begin again. What did he do? How did he do this? Any proper religious holy man would know that you don't break the Sabbath. Scripture says, it's in the Bible, laws are laws. The questions keep coming at him. He's really interrogated. He didn't even ask for this. He didn't even ask to be healed. The religious officials aren't, aren't getting what they want from him, so they go on to his parents. And you know what they do? They deflect. Actually, if you ask me, I, I think they threw their son on the bus. They knew what the cost could be, and they weren't willing to risk it. it the, the idea of losing their community of faith, it was just too much of them. Don't ask us. Ask our son. He's old enough to speak for himself. The cost of losing their community is just too great. They leave him on his own. Now, let me just stop here for a moment with a little historical detour. The scripture says... That his parents did this because they were afraid of the Jews. Now, I think the writer of John has let a little of his own present time context of his own life spill into this story because as John was writing his gospel down, they were, they were experiencing the painful separation of really two communities, of two separate distinct religions uh, between Judaism and Christianity. It was happening during his lifetime. But in this story... Everyone's Jewish. Everyone in this community is Jewish. Jesus is Jewish. When they say they were afraid of the Jews, frankly, what a more accurate understanding of what they were really worried about are people like me and people like him. <laughs> the ones in the robes, the ones with the certificates, the ones who have boards and councils and leaders that can say you're in or you're out, you belong or you don't belong, you're right or you're wrong. And all the while, think of this poor man. Nobody celebrated with him, not even his own parents. And beginning in verse 24, they call him back again to account for his healing. And by this point, he sounds mad. He said, I've already told you, you don't listen. Here's an astonishing thing. You do not know where this man comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners 
but he does listen to the one who worships him and obeys. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. That's all it took. It's the final nail in the coffin. He is kicked out of the synagogue. He said it. The man who healed me must be from God, and he says, you don't see it. Now, they can't have some formerly blind beggar telling their fine, religious, Bible-learned people that they can't see God at work right in front of them, so they kick him out. He's kicked out of the synagogue. The man just got his sight. It was his first opportunity for a normal life to to belong, to fit in, and talk about ironic. Just as soon as he gets it, he loses it for his faith. He's kicked out. Jesus hears what's happened to him, and he goes to see him, and the man doesn't recognize him because he didn't see him the first time he met Jesus. And Jesus tells him who he is, and this man says he believes. He's a follower of Jesus, but boy, has it come at a cost in his life. My guess is that this man would be the first to tell you that any preacher who tells you that life with Jesus will be nothing but blessings and fairy tales along the way is selling you a bill of goods. The formerly blind man claims his faith in Jesus, but it comes at a price. I wonder if you ever think about faith being costly. That sometimes we might have to give up something in order to follow Jesus more fully. Here is his very first chance to actually fit in and belong. And he loses it because he chooses Jesus instead. He's made an outcast again because he chooses Jesus. Can faith be costly like that? The irony of this story, of course, is that even though it's an entire passage about a man who was physically blind, it's really a passage about a different kind of blindness, isn't it? Surely we aren't the blind ones, are we? All those leaders, all those clergy and priests, surely we aren't the blind ones, are we? Maybe. One of the challenges of living a life of faith is to learn how to take our blindfolds off again and again, to take off the blindfolds and the blinders and try to see the world with new eyes, all the things that we have been blind to, our biases, our prejudices, our assumptions, our first impressions, our selfishness, our greed, our envy, our pride, did I already say, maybe I said pride twice. All those things, all those things. What if faith is about learning to take the blindfold down, to really see as Jesus sees others, to really see the world as Jesus sees? You know, it reminds me of a little story I heard about a man who went into a village because he was thinking about moving to this new community and he went to an old monk, a wise man in the village, and he said, can you tell me about the kind of people in this village? What, what kind of people are they? And this wise man said, well, what kind of people are in the village that you live in right now? And he said, well, they're, they're just terrible people. They're, they're snotty, they're snooty, they're liars, they're cheaters, they're Duke fans. They're just terrible people. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord. 
terrible. And the wise man says, well, you're going to find those same people are in this village too. And he said, okay, never saw them again. And a few weeks later, another man comes, says, I'm thinking of moving to this town. Can you tell me what kind of people you'll find in this town? And he said, well, what kind of people are in your town right now? He said, well, they're loving, they're kind, they're compassionate, I'm going to miss them terribly when I move. And he said, good news, you'll find those kind of people in this town too. How many times has Jesus shown up and you missed him because you're only looking to confirm what you already think you know? Surely we aren't the blind ones, are we? How many times have we been blind to Jesus' call for our lives because it doesn't look like our plans or our agenda? Surely we aren't the blind ones, are we? How many times have we refused to see him because he showed up looking like sacrifice? Not us. We can't be the blind ones, can we? You know, I remember a, a businessman I knew when I was in seminary. His church had a large homeless community right outside their doors. And one of the ways their church served is they offered breakfast several times a week, a nice warm meal for people. And this uh, church member, he was a pretty powerful business type guy, and he would come in and um, help with the breakfast, and he did the dishes. He would come and put his tie up over and an apron on and roll up his sleeves, and he did the dishes. And the thing about him is that, uh, I frankly, I think he did the dishes because he didn't want to deal with the people. He just stayed in the kitchen, and he would try to wash those pots and pans as quickly as he came. He was not... Um, he was on a Pollyanna, Mother Teresa, whistle while you work, attitude of gratitude sort of volunteer. He just came in there. In fact, sometimes I'd be nervous when I would bring him more dirty pants. And he would say, oh, this is all Jesus' fault. <laughs> and we would laugh about that, of course. But the truth is, over time, what I've come to realize when he said that, what he was really saying is, I took my blindfolds off. Jesus has given him new eyes to see. Surely we aren't the blind ones, are we? Let's pray. Gracious and holy God, open our eyes to the ways we've been blind to your call to love, to forgive, to offer healing in the world. Forgive us for the ways we have failed to recognize your presence. Forgive us for the people we have failed to really truly see right in front of our eyes. And give us courage, God, to take off our blindfolds and to see you with new eyes in the presence at work in the world. Amen. <laughs>